Welcome to the Utah Women in Leadership podcast series. Today, we're going to be talking about women in finances and what Utahns need to know. In April of 2020, we published a research snapshot on this topic, and I believe it's critical for women in Utah. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, founding director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project, and I'm here with Robin Scribner, lead researcher on this report. Throughout much of history, women have been seen as an extension of their male relatives when it comes to finances. American women were not allowed to own property in their names until the mid-1800s. Overt pay discrimination was legal until 1963, and women could not access credit on their own until 1974. It is only really in the last half century or so that women in the United States have been able to fully participate in financial matters that affect their everyday lives. This holds true in Utah as well. Yet Utah women's lives in the 21st century look dramatically different from their lives in past years. There has been a marked increase in labor force participation and a decrease in the marriage rate. This means that now, more than ever before, Utah women need to be financially literate and prepared to be financially independent. Unfortunately, research shows that most adults have major gaps in their financial literacy. Women more so than men. Only 30% of women and 35% of men worldwide show proficiency. There is a pressing need for women to increase their understanding of the financial situations and decisions they will face during their lives. And Utah women are no exception in the need to acquire vital individual financial expertise. I put some emphasis on that, Robin, because it's really important. And I've seen so many people struggle with this. It is so important. And you and I work with women all the time in all sorts of different life experiences and situations. And one thing that both of us have found over and over again is that women who don't have the financial information, education, and power that they need really, really struggle in the state of Utah. So that's the reason why we put together this snapshot. And uh, I learned so much as we were researching this. And, And the way we laid this out was looking at the financial decisions and implications for women throughout their life cycle. So starting with girls as children and what uh, financial education means to them. Should we dive in? Yeah, but I did want to say that we re- we named this a little bit differently than some of our other snapshots. So we often say things like women in, you know, Utah women in mammography and different things. But for this one, because we have in most areas some really good statistics on here's where we're at in Utah and here's where we're at nationally, we can do those rankings. But we looked and looked for that information. And really, there's not a lot of data on how we compare to, to women in other states, right? Yes. And one of the things that we did more than than a lot of our research is we use national numbers and, and use them for Utah numbers because you're right. There are not a lot of data available specifically on Utah women. We pulled out whatever we could. But, but just know that a lot of the numbers that we're talking about today are national numbers, and, and we tried to extrapolate them as best we could. We did the best we can. And you know what? We're connected with so many people working on these issues in the state of Utah and went around and asked for so much data. Again, this report really was published a little over a year ago, so it's not that old of a report. Um, And I'm actually, I serve on a board, uh, the board called Utah Financial Empowerment Coalition, which is hosted out of the Utah Treasurer's Office. And so really am connected with an annual conference now called the Utah, um, the Women in in the Money Conference. Um, So if you're interested in that, it's it's uh, annually, 
But uh, what we found was there's just not great data. And so that's one thing I've been saying is we need to have people, and including us, do more research on this topic. Yeah. But but you will find, if you if you look up this snapshot and read through it, you will find so much inter- interesting information for the data that we were able to gather. So one of the things that we learned is that our financial attitudes and beliefs are started very, very young. So children as young as the age of seven have started to form their beliefs about money. And so one of the things that we really wanted to understand understand was what are girls perceptions about money how they should be earning money saving money and spending money even from childhood and, and I've heard and you the talk differences about this a lot. between yeah, the differences boys and between girls. girls and boys I've heard you talk about this in a lot of speeches so I would love to hear you talk about how parents subtly and unconsciously often treat their boys and girls differently when they're raising them surrounding chores and allowance and this is fascinating because a lot of the researchers can really come out of discussions on the wage gap um, and one of the, the attitudes, you know, that we get and, and the messages we get, you know, generally what the research has found is that girls tend to do more housework. Even growing up, we know, of course, Robin, you and I have talked about this for years, that women do more unpaid care work than men, even if women are working full time and men are working full time. Yeah. But what we get from doing that and from just the messages that we get are really girls do more house work than boys. They're, they're expected to do more. Now, the connection with the wage gap is this, that actually it's been found that parents sometimes unconsciously pay their sons for jobs and chores around the house and don't even pay their daughters. And so girls are raised to think about, you know, I should be doing my work for free. Mm-hmm. I should just serve. And we talk about that in our culture a lot and as a real positive thing. And it is positive for all of us to serve and give. But we also need to be raised with a good attitude about getting paid for what we do. Oh, yeah. And the differences are stark. It's not just a subtle difference. Girls are are likely to spend about seven hours a week on work at home versus five hours a week per boys. But... Boys are 15% more likely to receive an allowance and get paid for doing this. And the average weekly allowance for girls is $6.71 versus $13.80 for boys. Oh, my gosh. That that's just wrong. That is almost twice as much, right? They're paying. <laughs> and, and it's one of the things that, that because of our unconscious biases, we think, oh, the girls are doing d- the dishes. That's just something that everybody does. But we're sending our boys out to mow the lawn or we're sending our boys out to do some of this other work that we think, well, that's work that should be paid. And so we're setting these uh, stereotypes and unconscious biases from the very, very earliest ages, which really sets our women up for some disadvantage later in life. And I think even when you're raised, oftentimes you do see, and it's maybe that's changing a little bit, but throughout the generations, men are the ones, our fathers mm-hmm. are the ones that talk about money, that deal with the money. Sometimes our mothers do, but that's really just shopping for groceries and so forth. That's not the case for all families. But throughout history, men have been the ones to handle the finances. And oftentimes, and I, I just heard this the other day, a woman said, I have an allowance from my husband for a certain amount of money to shop with. Oh, I've heard and that I'm over like, and oh, over again. Oh, have you? I'm like, oh, no, I hate that word. Right. And women these days, I mean, an allowance? Yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe. It's treating women as if they're not full financial partners in their home. Yeah. And it's because they often don't work. I'm putting this in quote marks. Right. Don't work. Oh, my gosh. You know, oh, uh, women work no matter where they are. They I work. Right? We could talk about that for days. Oh, no, <laughs> we, we don't want to stay on that too long. But I think what we do know is many of the decisions that we make to engage in things come from our childhood. In yeah. fact, I taught a church class a number of years ago where I had couples actually share with each other their, you know, think about and discuss their um, whole history with money and why they do things the same. For instance, for me, my parents were really money savvy, especially with my dad. But he, we didn't. He didn't make a lot. He was a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he really did not believe in debt. So no matter what you do, you get out of debt. My husband was raised more with investing. To me, investing, based on my upbringing, was is debt yeah. that you still owe. So I've been the one to get paid. You know, the cars paid off and all of these things. But it really does impact how you move forward with fi- money and finance the rest of your life. Absolutely. And those are some of the issues we'll talk about when we're talking about women in their senior years. But a couple of things that I still wanted to touch on a little bit more, um, what we're doing in the state of Utah with our children and our teens before they reach adulthood. One of the things that we're doing really well is the financial literacy requirement for all high school students. And we are the only state in the country that received an A-plus rating by a financial rating organization. So, so that's something that's really positive. Another thing that we do well in the state is that teenage young women are working. We're more likely than national average. And so women from the ages of 16 to 19 are more likely to have a job, which I think sets them up well to recognize, oh, I can earn my own money. Then I can make decisions about it. I can learn how to use it. So that's really powerful. There's really some, I don't think we talk about it too much in the snapshot, but there's really some interesting um, confidence that comes from women, even if they're stay-at-home moms, who start to earn money. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a voice that comes with that. There's some confidence that comes, even if it's part-time. Right. And, you know, when women make their own money, and more and more that's becoming important. And it's not as much, many families just don't have the luxury anymore to oh, have right. a stay, you know, a, a, a man in the home that goes out to work and earn all the money for the home, and women who stay at home. So it's interesting that you say that about 16-year-olds. So yeah. starting to have that money and, and have some independence. And independence is good, isn't it? it? Is. Oh, you have so three important. kids that are going to, you know, that your third is going to be in college soon, I know. Right? I'm, I'm very happy my kids are becoming more independent. <laughs> One other thing that I'd love to, you to touch on during these high school years is about what happens to girls and women as they're saving for college and what a difference that makes in their lives. What we found in some research, and this has been over 10 years ago now, that um, – Women were significantly more likely to have attended college and to go to college longer and to graduate from college if they started saving money when they were little. A lot of families don't talk about that or don't think about that. Well, they um, don't talk about it for girls. One oh, study yes, showed yes, that, yes. that half of families with all boys talked regularly and were saving for college actively versus less than a third of families that had all girls. And so some of our parents still have the mindset, well, it's important for our sons to save for college, not so much for our daughters. And that is absolutely changing. But that is some of the mindset that we've been dealing with and, and trying to overcome. Absolutely. So so what we found is, and it makes sense, especially like I just picture this piggy bank, right? Right. 
uh, on where it has college or savings or whatever, you know, you're spending money. But if you're actually thinking of putting some money in your bank account or putting it in a piggy bank, even if you're and, and what we found in the research is, is kindergarten is not too early to start saving money, even if it's a quarter, even if it's, you know, one dollar at a time. The process of saving money, of putting it in the bank when you're a teenager or putting it in the piggy bank is what is helping you as, you know, your kids think about college. Every time you do that, you think, oh, yes, I'm going to go to college. And those those thoughts and those conversations about saving money, particularly for college, can help us raise our expectations and make sure we do go to college and then graduate. Right. And so that that combination of the parents working on this, talking about it, saving on behalf of their daughters, helping their daughters with college, and then the girls and young women doing that themselves really makes all the difference in their college completion. Yeah. One thing we did mention that we've kind of skipped in this brief is just even the conversations. A lot of families don't have conversations about money. Yeah. I mean, maybe some general conversations, but for many, many families, it is, and it's hard to get that balance, right? For many families, they don't want to talk about all their debt in front of their children, or they don't want to talk about how much money they have or or what they spend on bills or those kinds of things. They just don't think that's important. But the research is telling us some of those conversations, more than we do now, might be really important. Oh, absolutely. And it's not just that they don't think it's important. We're uncomfortable doing it. Yes. Our research found that people would much rather talk about death than talk about money. <laughs> that, is, that is how uncomfortable we are as a society in talking about our own personal income, our debt levels and things like that. But the unwillingness to talk about it means that people who need the information most can't learn it because they don't know where to find it. And then they're really disadvantaged. So we need to overcome our taboo about talking about money. Yeah, we we did more than maybe most families. But one of the things we lived at the time in Highland, Utah, which is by Alpine and by my kids went to Lone Peak High School. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest jokes was for us in the family was, you know, they'd go to school and th- many of their friends had new cars. Yep. Their parents were making the payments. The new cars were there. My kids had old clunkers. We had a couple of reasons for that. One is they couldn't get too far if they wanted right. to drive it before <laughs> it broke down. But second, to, to really help them, you know, value, um, not giving them things for free, I guess. But yeah. but I think there really are issues when, when you're, you're giving so much to your kids and they really don't understand the value you know, the bill. and what it took to pay but for that. the more that I've looked into this and research and talked about it, the more I think there's some things, even if we don't want to unload everything we do in the family, there's some things like, look how much electricity, especially during, you know, this heat wave that that we we have had, you know, during the summers. (laughs) But look at how many bills we have and how much the power bill is versus the gas bill and and cable, you know, or oh, yeah. whatever. And their cell phones. Yes, that's a good point, right? actually. So. so I I mean, so we we moved in the snapshot after talking about childhood. We talked about the factors that the financial factors that women are facing as they enter young adulthood. And one of the major major expenses is these higher education mm-hmm. expenses. So if they haven't saved enough, they're going to be facing higher tuition levels and higher levels of debt. So one thing that a national organization has shown over and over again is that even though women are earning about 50% of bachelor's degrees, we're earning more than half of them. We have almost two-thirds the total student debt. 
it. Mm. So that's outsized percentage and ratio of our degree gaining and how much debt we're taking on. And that uh, fight, that student debt for women is just crippling for so many women across the country. So one of the things we also, in this research study that we did statewide many, many years ago, we also found that so many women, um, they didn't save money, but their parents we're not supportive. So over half, I can't remember the exact percentage, but the, well, is it 53? 53%. Of, of this big sample said that their parents have never or would never pay one cent in their college costs. Yeah. And yeah. so we have, that's different in different states. In Utah, we're, we think of self-reliance, which is great. And I paid for all of my college years ago, but I'm old. I'm older than you. <laughs> but these days, um, it's so important. That's one of the messages we're trying to get to parents. You really need to start saving. And grandparents. Yeah. I, I actually have um, the Utah Savings Education Utah Education Saving Plan for both of my grandchildren. Yes. And instead of giving, I'll give them a little gifts at their birthdays and Christmas, but I'm putting money into that savings plan. But what we found is a lot of women were trying to go to college or decided not to because they really didn't have any support from their parents. So we as parents need to plan more in the state of Utah. And that's and there, there's a fine balance between giving your kids everything so they don't feel yep. invested. So students need to contribute some themselves, but as parents are able to, that really shows your value and it shows your values and to and to say this education is so important I'm willing to help contribute to it too as your parent or grandparent so our time is moving along but any other comments in the young adult adult section well, of just a snapshot? couple other things that relate to debt and there are different mm-hmm. types of debt but one thing that we saw is that women's credit card debt was most likely to go toward day-to-day living expenses, mm, yes. where men were more likely to have credit card debt to pay for luxuries. Which and, and part of that happens because women are paid lower. Their financial needs are greater because they don't have their earning capacity. So so that was an interesting factor. And then another thing was the payday loans, which are some of the most yes. high, most expensive loans to take out. 60% of payday loan customers are women. Mm. And so so many women, because they and don't have more the inf- low income. Yes, it's- low income women. Absolutely. So women, because they don't have the information they need, the access to resources, their own earning power. They're turning to some of the uh, income sources that are the very most expensive, the lowest quality loans that we can and get. And we have so many payday loan uh, companies in the state of Utah. In fact, that's a real concern with the coalition that I'm on, but also other experts on finances in the state, that so many people are not informed. And we go to those quick sources of funding. Yet when you look even how, I mean, the interest rates are oh, just, yeah. and, and I don't believe that we, I've been in these conversations, I don't think even last legislative session anything came up, but we don't have the regulation that other states do on payday loans, which is problematic as well. Yeah, we need to do better with that to help women understand that there are better ways to get access to the funds that they need and, and to get them more better wages, better jobs. All of these things work together for women's overall financial well-being. Absolutely. And we, we just as women, uh, we have to help our girls and young women and ourselves just be more literate and more yeah. know so we're comfortable in those conversations. Now, I do have to say I have talked to so many women and heard stories from women who have lost spouses. And even we're talking women even in higher socioeconomic mm-hmm. categories. Maybe they have beautiful houses or, or middle income kind of levels. But their spouses, they get a little bit older and their spouses pass away or their spouses divorce or something happens. 
and they have no clue what to do. Oh, yeah. They are not, they have not been in that conversation. They've given that to their husband. They like, no, that's his job. My job is something else. Yeah. Women get into trouble with that. This is one of the most dangerous factors that we see. And and another thing that we haven't really talked about, and we don't even talk about in the snapshot, but when looking at this independence and the financial individual financial empowerment, it gives women the opportunity to get out of situations that are bad situations. Yeah. You know, so many That's women true. financial abuse is is a type of spouse yeah. abuse. Giving controlling money so tightly so women don't have a penny to themselves that keeps them from being able to get out of a well, bad it's, situation. It's one of the definitions. We we wrote another brief yeah. on domestic violence. And that was one of the areas. Yeah. So so now we're moving into women more in their senior years and and in the retirement years and uh, looking to what you I'm were not just saying. in the retirement app, but I am I am approaching or in <laughs> people would say my senior years I would I would never think of either of us that way we're still very young vivacious women but fifty four percent of women over the age of fifty leave all financial decisions to their husbands oh my gosh. and then what happens is that a much higher percentage of these women actually end up not having husbands. And so what do you do? This is like what you were talking about, but the data really bear this out, that women have left the financial decisions, the literacy, understanding how their investments are, have been made and where they are, how to pay those day-to-day bills. And then all of a sudden, the women don't know how to make those decisions So is that themselves. a national percentage or was that Utah? These are, these are national numbers here. And but so you may even, based on our other studies, say that we could argue higher. that it might be higher. Abs- with I wouldn't women. be surprised at all to find that. And so one of the things that we're finding is that women, senior women, face not only throughout their lives, they've had a gender wage gap, right? As they become senior women, they are facing a wealth gap. So their overall oh, net yes. worth is much, much lower than men's within the state of Utah. And, and we think, well, if women are in partners, then they've, you know, they've got their money together. The husband and wife are sharing their money together. But how many women are living on their own above the age of 65? It's more than twice the number of men who are living on their own. And so wow. we have we have these really tough numbers and, and women are finding themselves in, in rough situations. One of the main things that I wanted to cover in looking at this was the percentage of women in the state of Utah who are over the age of 65 who live in poverty. It's 8.2% of women versus only 5% of men. Oh, wow. And so a lot more women are living in poverty. 84% of Utah women receive Social Security and their average benefit is $12,000 a year. year. But for two-thirds of those women, that $12,000 makes up half of their total income. Wow. So we, we're seeing not why there are so many women in the state of Utah living in their retirement in their senior years, living on very, very low incomes. And there are all these things that have come together, the low gender wage gap, not having the literacy, not having their own individual financial empowerment that's putting them in tough situations in those senior years. And we really don't talk about this, but I've heard this data, so it's hearsay. That actually debt for homes is moving, you know, it used to be that you paid it off by the time your kids were maybe teenagers or whatever. But with the 30-year loans and different things, that sometimes people retire and are still making house payments. And think of a woman living on her own with this income. That's almost impossible. Right. We, we didn't even talk about housing. That is in the snapshot. But our housing prices have just gone through the roof oh, just yeah. over the last year. And they've been growing so quickly. So these different financial burdens. And if you don't understand them, if you don't yep. have that financial literacy to know, I'm going to be paying on this in 30 years when I'm in retirement. 
how are you how are you empowered to make the right decisions? And I think, you know, I'm thinking of the annual conference that that coalition that I'm in, the women in the money org is where people can get to that. I'm thinking of the different topics that we have in terms of breakout sessions and workshops. And there are a lot of things to know. Yes. It's not necessarily easy. I'll just catch, you know, maybe maybe the the budgeting of the day to day things that we're used to, but investments or just navigating the system of social security takes a lot. I know when my father passed away, um, he had things really set up for my mother. But two of my brothers who are CPAs, oh my gosh, the amount of work they even had. What about women that don't have that support? Right. And so this, I mean, what we're really trying to do with this snapshot is, first of all, make women aware of all the different times in their lives where they need to be making these decisions and getting educated. But the bright spot that we want to leave all our listeners with today is there are resources out there. There are opportunities. Go to this Great Women in the Money Conference. There are so many ways to learn about this and access the resources. There are organizations across the state that are willing to help uh, women learn the things that they need to know in order to be educated and empowered to make great financial decisions for themselves and their families. Absolutely. Thank you, Robin. Uh, One uh, other resource is on our website, again, utwomen.org. We actually have under a toolkit, under our resources and toolkit, a financial category. And you can go there and get our reports and our, this podcast will be listed there and some other resources. Yet, we also have a lot of other resources of organizations that do this full time. And just we have links on our website. So we do have resources. So many organizations in Utah more and more really want to help women specifically, but to help men and families too. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast series hosted by the Utah Women in Leadership Project at Utah State University in partnership with Utah Public Radio, USU Extension, and the John M. Huntsman School of Business. A special thanks to Emily Colby for her technical support. Our core mission is to strengthen the impact of Utah girls and women. To learn more about our research, resources, and events, please join us at utwomen.org. Thank you.